Look, I'm just a guy sitting naked on a leather chair, drinking a beer, <laughs> talking about Noah Baumbach. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 372 with a review of Mistress America. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, this film may be coming to a theater near you within a week or so, <laughs> depending on where you live. But uh, yeah, we're talking about Mistress America. Um, how you doing this fine evening, Mr. Stephen Miller? I'm doing pretty good. Got a beer in hand. Um, kind of cooking in this apartment. I have this thing where my apartment, if I leave the windows closed, then it gets really hot. And I haven't been here in a couple days. <laughs> so I came in <laughs> like like 9 p.m. You should walk in and have it feel cool no matter what. But I came in and it was like a sauna. So I, I've been trying to air it out for the past few minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel you there. That's that's uh, not that fun. I mean, like, even even my place doesn't really get that hot. But, like, if I go on vacation and everything's been closed up for... Or if I, you know, if I drive back to San Diego and I've had everything closed up and I come in, it's not even that it's hot. It's just gross static air that I makes me... I don't like old like, air, you know? I like new air. <laughs> Fresh air. Yes. It's because we're white and 20 to 30-somethings. <laughs> that's what we like, fresh air, right? That's an NPR podcast, right? Yeah, that's a good joke. Terry Gross. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Speaking of things that NPR that NPR lovers would enjoy, we're here to review a Noah Baumbach movie. <laughs> uh, yes, I mean, I mean, obviously, you were pretty excited to see this film, being the huge uh, Noah Baum buff that you are. Yeah, being a. Uh, a bomb box spurt. No, I'm not one, though. I can't even take this pun any longer. Um, but no, I was pretty excited <laughs> to watch the movie. Though, I don't know. I, I I enjoyed While We're Young. So anyways, uh, Comcast is a terrible company. And uh, we're having impossible times trying to record together. So anyways, we are talking. You, you were telling us about what you thought about uh, uh, While We're Young. Uh, yeah, I, only as a preface for this movie. So I, I was saying that I I really enjoyed While We're Young, and it was kind of a departure for Noah Baumbach in that it wasn't like waxing poetic about a free-spirited thinker. <laughs> um, and I think I liked it so much that when I saw trailers for this movie that kind of felt like back to worshipping the um, mumblecore-type Greta Gerwig character, I, I was excited, but I was a little worried that it would be, like, too much of the same thing. Gotcha. And, and for me, obviously, I mean, we, we talked a lot about it uh, um, while we're young. For me, like, while I enjoyed it, I definitely had, like, a problem because it wasn't the documentary filmmaker trying to take the essence of what another doctor, documentary filmmaker is doing. Like, that whole aspect of the plot didn't really deliver for me at all mm -hmm. and and so like definitely had a different uh sense there i have seen francis haw definitely loved that um i don't think i've really seen much of his other films besides that um oh except mm -hmm. for squid and the whale which uh notor not notoriously uh a long time ago you told me to watch that movie and i absolutely absolutely hated it um so yep 
I remember that's that. Sort of, uh, yeah, that's sort of my background for this. When, when this movie was coming out or when the trailer was coming out, um, I don't even remember... I don't even remember much of the trailer before I went to go see the movie. Um, but it was like, oh, okay, Noah Baumbach, it's, you know, she's in it again. Like, this is, I was kind of like, I had no, uh, like, there wasn't like an allegiance of myself. It was like, oh, I have to see this because of the group of, <laughs> like, like, you and Carson are going to be seeing this and probably looking forward to it. So I, like, through you guys was like, oh, yeah, I got to check out this movie and see where I fall on um, on the scales for it specifically. So it was definitely, it wasn't that I was excited to see this film. It was just that I was like, okay, I'm up for seeing it. It's something I should be seeing because it's something that we will be able to talk about. You know, it's funny. My my brain is such a like historical revisionist that I remembered you loving while we're young <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I like completely I, forgot about the hour-long conversation we had. <laughs> It, it was a strangely long episode. I don't think either of us uh, were expecting it to go that long. No. To be fair, I did force you to drop in like three comedy bits from different places. <laughs> true, true. Drag out the length of it. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you were you were potentially excited to see the film. Are you potentially excited to get into this review? Yeah, I think so. I'm actually, I'm very curious to see what Christopher Schnazy thinks about this. I'm I'm definitely curious to uh, see what you think about this t- film too. I, I I made a comment to you, um, which I will save till we get into my my part of the review. And like I didn't want to say much about what I thought about this film before you went and s- saw it because you saw it a few days after I did. Um, but mm-hmm. but I was I almost felt that like me making that statement was telling you too much because I didn't want to like have you watching the movie thinking about why I felt the movie was that way and what that meant whether i liked it or not <laughs> so mm-hmm. i was kind of like hmm i wonder where uh i wonder how steven thinks i thought of this film is basically what was going through my head after that point okay so how about we'll do our reviews first as what we think the other person thought of the movie <laughs> um well i haven't seen enough of the other movies besides uh squid in the whale which i didn't like and then francis ha which we both liked so I don't have a basis for how, like, I don't have a way to gauge this film proper enough, I think. Other than, mm-hmm. other than I assume because it wasn't like while we're young that you must have loved it. But <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. So I, I, I think I will be really bad at your system or, or of, of your game. But if you would like, you can assume I, I don't really want to <laughs> okay that, then, we'll, then we'll pretend this last two minutes did not ever happen mm. <laughs> anyways so should we uh let the listeners uh take a listen to the trailer and then come back and give them a review uh yeah i think though we should submit this intro for the mobius society <laughs> it's really good stuff we're <laughs> creating here i really hope we get accepted i was sleeping turn that off sorry i'm your roommate you know the feeling of being at a party where you don't know anybody? College is like that the whole time. You should call Brooke. I hear she's fun. Hey, baby Tracy. Being around Brooke made you want to find life, not hide from it. I'm going to shorten that, punch it up, and turn it into a tweet. She sang with the band and knew everyone and didn't owe anyone anything and couldn't pay up even if she did. High five, sister. That was an amazing night. Best of my life. You got a honey? No. There's just one guy. Hey. 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 
but he's got a girlfriend. There's no cheating when you're 18. You should all be touching each other all the time. I'm starting a restaurant. The front part would be like a shop. We also have cooking classes, maybe cut hair. If I did a cabaret, it would be called High Standards, and I would sing all the standards. That's clever. I tutored junior high, but I would love to get into the app business. I freelance as an interior decorator. I want to write short stories. Oh, me too. Not short stories, though. I think I'm sick, and I don't know if my ailment has a name. I just am in love with everything, but can't figure out how to make myself work in the world. I think I have that too. I am so impressed by you and so worried for you at the same time. Sometimes I don't know if you're a Zen master or a sociopath. I'm just normal. Okay, so that was the trailer for Mistress America. Uh, basically, a uh, young woman, her her mom is going to marry somebody else's dad, and she goes to meet that person to figure out what her eventual, um, her new, like, sister-in-law is going to be like, and she just spends a few days with her. Also, she is just getting into school and is trying to join this Mobius Society. <laughs> I realized that as, as that was about to start that I have no way of explaining what the plot of this movie is. <laughs> it, it would be tough to explain the plot, I think. Basically, two girls hang out and uh, talk really fast and talk a lot. A, a, younger girl, a younger girl idolizes a free-spirited 30-year-old soon-to-be sister. Only to learn that maybe life isn't as glamorous as she once believed. <laughs> Is that the description off IMDb? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just making it up. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, why don't you go ahead and let us know what you thought of this film? So the start of the movie, I felt like was very conventional, <laughs> like a very traditional movie about capturing the feeling of kind of growing up, going away to college, uh, being like a new person in a new environment. Um, like I would say the first 10 minutes as it follows the, uh, the younger sister in, in your synopsis was just like totally lovable Francis Ha round two, basically. <laughs> of just keen, <laughs> keen observations of like young adulthood. Yeah. Um, then we meet Brooke, uh, Greta Gerwig's character. And like from the moment we see her, it's clear that there's some kind of exaggerated theatricality to everything. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> like we, we meet her walking in Times Square, down steps, kind of like looking a little awkward and saying, welcome to the great white. And then realizing she has like 30 steps left to walk. <laughs> and, you know, just kind of like, holding this fixated smile and walking down more and more and more steps. Um, yeah. And from there, everything about this movie, at least for an extended period of time, is very play-like, very theatrical. Like, the dialogue is very clearly, quote, witty, unquote, with people talking over each other and suddenly jumping from one topic to the next, only to wrap back around and address the first topic. And... That that kind of stiltedness of it, it felt odd to me for a little while. <laughs> like, I was kind of like, what what the hell am I watching? Yeah. Um, except that you you could see it being used for something. Like, it, like when it cuts to just 
Tracy and the other 18-year-olds in college. The dialogue is not like that at all. Like, it's only surrounding this older Brooke character that you have this kind of, like, super old-timey, lesser Woody Allen feeling, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I, I would say the moments with her... I mean, this movie plays a lot like Magic in the Moonlight did to me, actually, which is why I predict that maybe you enjoyed it even though it doesn't seem like a very schnazy movie otherwise um <laughs> like like it had it, it has this feeling where there's like it, it culminates kind of kind of like funny people does uh it it starts out being about just a relationship and then it has this third act that just becomes like tons of secondary characters and a big confrontation and like a kind of over-the-top weird <laughs> weird peak to it yeah um, and, and that whole scene just feels straight out of like our town or something like a bunch of zany characters coming to and fro each one stepping forward to have like one clever lyric and then stepping back in, into the chorus um like like very old-timey feeling yeah, um, yeah. and and anyway i the more I started to feel that that was intentional, the more I started to actually like quite a bit uh, of the movie, or at least like, I feel like it did something pretty clever. And and I'm not sure if I'm reading too much into it. So I would kind of like to hear your thoughts before I go into my theory about what the movie is trying to do. Yeah. Um. So my my general thoughts are, this is definitely a, it's an odd movie that is very like, self-awarely old-time slapstick just people talking and quipping see <laughs> type of movie and i think that was very intentional and i think the way it was executed if you believe it was intentional is actually pretty awesome though it yeah. still makes it like not among his best movies but it, but it makes it something worth re-watching yeah, so uh, so for me, th this is the journey I went on uh, through the through the course of the film. Uh, it started off, and as you said, like basically recounting your exact words just now is kind of like the the progress I started going on. So when it started off, I was kind of like, okay, cool, just, you know, the, the younger girls are going off to college. This is cool. I'm on board with this. The second the second she meets uh, whatever her name Greta Gerwig, whatever mm -hmm. I cannot pronounce her name. Um, it's not a difficult name. I just, for some reason, I can't do the alliteration, like the, the consecutive <laughs> Gs and I don't know. Anyways, so as soon as she appears on screen, I'm just like, she, I don't like her. I don't like her at all. I kind of mm -hmm. hate her. Like, I, there's something about her character is like not listening to to the younger girl at all and completely ignoring her. And like, you know, they're, they're in like having a little dance party and she's like, oh, yeah, I really like this kind of thing. She's like, that's cool. My mom died. And then she's like starting her own conversations and doing this really, really weird thing. And I'm just like watching this movie going like, who is this person? She mm -hmm. is freaking annoying as hell. And I really don't like her. And then all of a sudden I start to get this like while we're young vibe where it's like here it is another person who's trying to like steal the momentum of another character in the story and like use their life as the experience for some project they're working on and i'm like so it's basically the same movie again but i know that this isn't going to pay off by the end because with with while we're young that didn't pay off either so like i'm already like in this sort of like angry what did i get myself into where is this movie going <laughs> kind of thing and I'm just watching 
and just wondering what the hell is happening. And then all of a sudden, around the middle of the film, it really snaps into my head that this is basically like, it's a stage play. Like the characters aren't speaking, the like they're not speaking non-human-like, like the way I'm kind of interpreting up to that point. Like they are delivering lines of dialogue in a very play type way to a crowd that's sitting where we are in the, in the stadium, like watching them perform this. It, like it, it felt like a, a college uh, theater group would go put this on as a single set play in the middle of like a, your local coffee shop or something like that. And like really mm-hmm. it, it's super solidified in that scene in the middle where like all these characters are coming in, like you're like this nice white home, everything's all like pristine and characters are just like, going back and forth and like doing all this crazy stuff. And it's like, as soon as that, like by the time I got to there, it had built up such a momentum and I had like dialed into what it was that I was like, all right, this is pretty hilarious and fun and I'm having a great time with it. Even though like, I don't care about any of the characters or the eventuality of where their plot lines go to at all. Like it it became something that like for the first time, I didn't care that I didn't, feel for any of the characters it was i was just having fun with the the kind of zaniness of what was happening so like my one of my last semesters in college like as as part of the visual performing arts department we like had to do a theater thing and if you didn't want to actually be in the production you would just like do stage sets and shit like that um so Mm -hmm. i just did that but like the play we put on was some like weird wannabe political thing where it's just a bunch of characters saying stupid, incoherent stuff to each other and like having conversations, but neither character is actually understanding what the other person was saying. And like, that's pretty much, this is the like higher budget version of that play that we put on <laughs> back in school. <laughs> and it was like, it was incredibly entertaining and a really fun thing. I have no idea what the point of any of it is. Um, uh, you have a theory about that. Um, I do, what, I do. What it was, was this amazingly fun ride by the end of it that started with me being introduced to characters that I hate. Like no one is likable in the beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like, I, 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 like I, I couldn't like, like, you know, the, the younger girl, the main, the main character, I guess of the story, like she was likable in the beginning, but as soon as she kind of becomes this weird, like person just stealing shit from her soon, soon to be sister-in-law's like stuff. And like, not even just borrowing aspects of her life for this story, but literally taking the title <laughs> of her story from a like a throwaway line that the other character says. Like I was like, who are these? These are the people that I hate. Like if one of these people was my friend, I would not want to be friends with them. Well, well, and it's it's interesting that the moment you start disliking her is the more she tries to emulate Greta Gerwig's character. Like, there's this clear dynamic of Greta Gerwig teaching, Brooke is teaching Tracy how to live, and Tracy is becoming this thing that you and I also do not necessarily <laughs> admire in people. So in the end, you wound up enjoying the zaniness, even if it didn't amount to much. Yeah, like, like once once it became a thing where it was like, Oh, the zaniness is the thing. Then I was like, okay, that movie was was pretty fun. Like I I enjoyed that. Like it, it was one of those things where like I kept waiting for it to pay off, and then once I had stopped, and I just realized that like it's kind of just zany for zany's sake. <laughs> then mm-hmm. I mean, you're gonna try to convince me that it's not zany for zany's sake. That it actually has some point behind it. But like for me, I at one point I stopped. Like this is the like. This is the equivalent of like a Transformers movie 
where I'm like, <laughs> I don't care about plot anymore. I don't care about shit. Like, like it is the the dialogue equivalent of just metal transforming and beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's like a lot of post-2000 Woody Allen movies. You know, it's like very stagey, very goofy dialogue. Nobody cares what the plot is anymore, but it's like, it's fun to see the zaniness unfold, even if yeah. it doesn't leave like a big mental footprint. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm not going to try to convince you that it means a lot. Like, <laughs> like my my theory over why it exists doesn't mean it is like profound or serious or anything. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But okay, so so the quote I think that seals the deal for me is an argument in the second act of the film where Tracy, when trying to justify how she's borrowing this person's life, says like, well, what would what if Tennessee Williams just refused to make plays about people he knew in real life? And then Greta Gerwig's character says, I don't give a shit. Tennessee Williams isn't my friend. <laughs> Which, in my mind, makes me think that Noah Baumbach is this teenage girl and Greta Gerwig is the 30-year-old that he's, like, idolizing. All right. So, like... How can I even start with this? <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's kind of a half-baked half-baked theory. But but okay, so like one of my issues with this, I think the thing you and I both dislike about her character is this like the manic pixie dream girl ideal, you know, of like idolizing this person for being a free spirit when in real life, if you looked at them, they kind of are like a mess of a person. <laughs> Uh, in many respects. And like Noah Baumbach, the last few movies he's done with her have all been about that, basically. Like she is always this character in every, like this character is Francis Ha grown up a little bit and being, instead of having learned something, deciding to like embrace all of her flaws in Francis Ha. And the way I kind of see it is this is like a dialogue between Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig about how like he's idealizing these aspects of her as some sort of like grand American ideal, this great statement so he can tell good stories, but none of them are going to amount to much because he isn't really digging into who she is. He's just like using her to tell a story. Um, hmm. So so in that read of it, the fact that she seems so fake and theatrical and everything about her feels a little off, that almost felt to me like, like Noah Baumbach doing it on purpose of showing like this thing that I'm building up is a caricature. Like no one person is just all of these things. Like you're only seeing her for one night with me picking and choosing what I want to show you. Um, and and so part of the reasons I feel like that makes sense, <laughs> so like in, in the zany second or third act or whatever it is, um, there's a point among the criticism where the characters, among other things, start criticizing the story for being too sexist. <laughs> you know, like one person <laughs> is listing off like, do you or do you not believe that this will empower people who want to like circumcised female you know like there's this whole thing of by showing a character that is so 
reckless and dim-witted don't you think you're like bringing womankind down <laughs> and and like <laughs> the only reason i could think of for that being in the movie is that like he's kind of making fun of criticism that he gets of like idolizing this free spirit person without ever showing like a woman who actually has it all together <laughs> um and i don't know there there are a bunch of things in there that i felt like made sense if you think of this as being like him and Greta Gerwig, because they both wrote it, making fun of their own kind of pretentiousness. Uh, like in one part, uh, Tracy criticizes her friend. I, f- I forget the guy's name now. Um, the guy that she kind of has a crush on. Yeah, she yeah, gives him notes on his story. <laughs> and and w- what she says is, it seems like you try to write about people who are free and have a lot of fun, but you aren't free and you don't have a lot of fun and that makes it really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and like, if that is not a good description of everything that makes like Noah Baumbach movies kind of grating to listen to, then I, I don't know what is, you know, like the whole way these characters written, like the way they have this dialogue where they talk over each other and just bust out like, oh, huh, my mom died. It's very much like a person who is not himself free-spirited and fun trying to come up with dialogue for these people that would like fetishize it yeah anyway so so that's my theory that like a lot of this movie is making fun of his inclination to romanticize this kind of character the free thinker who's dying out and like the way that romanticizing her isn't always as flattering as he thinks it is like like tracy thinks it's flattering what she's doing or at least that's how she justifies it and then when brooke actually reads it she's like what the fuck dragging my carcass around are you kidding me yeah Um, well so like i have by your explanation because it half makes sense and like it's not that your explanation isn't good it's that what the story's doing in a really weird way is like it's I don't know, it's sort of the opposite of having your cake and eating it too. Like it is like, so a a normal story trying to do what you're arguing would either take something to the logical, like most extreme point of itself to show you how ridiculous that is, or it would scale it back and like comment on the fact that it's scaling it back from what you would expect from it. Right. Like that's kind of the, Mm -hmm. the, the, what it's doing. This film is like trying to do both of those at once where it's like, it's, so it's like if I'm looking at it just from the one side, from like the characters critiquing each other about the way they are in the story itself. Like if I look at it just from that one side, I'm like, okay, yeah, like I totally buy that. Like completely makes sense that like he is sort of showing these characters and then responding them into the way that critics might respond to his characters. And then he's addressing it in that way. But at the same time, he's not just showing a character who has some of these traits. Like the characters literally only those traits. Like she mm-hmm. has, you know, the, the, the older of the girls, the one that's being idolized in the story, like she doesn't exist outside of their interactions in real life. I mean, if you want to mm-hmm. pull some sort of like, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> secret window fight club kind of shit going on here to where like the other one's a figment of her imagination the entire time, <laughs> then, then like, then okay, like it makes sense why her character is only the extreme and has no actual substance of a character besides that. But like, I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's, her character isn't just a heightened, like manic pixie dream girl. Like she doesn't exist as a 
physical human in this universe. Mm -hmm. She's like just talking about her. Like you're not even seeing the things that she says she does. You're just seeing her finish those things. It's like right, right. She she is only a character for sure. Like that's the only purpose she serves in the book in the movie. Um, yeah. So I I feel like if this movie were trying to seriously address these things. Then after the big confrontation, we're, by the way, like half spoiling the movie, but it doesn't matter. There's no real twist in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Or is there? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, when she dies and is resurrected and eats the corpse of the other girl that drags it around, (laughs) literally, you know, that was like an homage to the story. (laughs) Yeah, when she becomes a literal cowboy and goes out west. (laughs) Uh, but anyway yeah so in a movie that was trying to really deal with this stuff after the big confrontation you would see her be more of a real person and less of a character like because that would be how i would see this is the movie its aesthetic decision is to make her be only a caricature because that is what she is to Tracy at the moment. Like, that's what she serves to this person. Yeah. And I I think it's telling, because I I was trying to figure out what felt off about her, other than just, like, being such a heightened manic pixie dream girl type character. And I think it's, like, the only way I can rationalize their conversations is if every single time they're talking, they're both drunk and shouting over each other at a bar which is almost every time they're talking actually yeah Um, yeah you are watching people at a party projecting at each other and tracy this like little 18 year old girl is absorbing all of it as like this is great i'm gonna write this story rhapsodizing about this person who can't can't exist in this world anymore and i know i know more than she does but i'm rooting for her anyway and I feel like that's definitely what the movie is turning her into, too, is like, we know that she is flawed and that she's not going to succeed, but a subset of us are supposed to be charmed by her anyway. <laughs> um, I, I guess, the, yeah, the thing that's unsatisfying is that, like, if it is talking about itself, it kind of just goes out with like a whimper. It's kind of like, well, we don't have any conclusion. So uh, here we'll go on romanticizing her for a few more minutes. Yeah. Well, it's like, so like going, going back to who Greta Gerwig's character is like she, so she has this fantasy to start this restaurant. Right. But like, it's not Mm -hmm. like you ever see her. Like if there was one scene where she made even as much as a cupcake, and then, like, the younger girl was like, oh, wow, you're really good at baking. And she's like, yeah, that's why I want to have this bakery or whatever. Like, you know, like, any, mm-hmm. like, all of her dreams are just, they're even, like, she even has a line in the film where she talks about her friend who stole the idea from her for something. And she's like, she doesn't even have her own ideas. She just takes everything that's my idea. And in the context of that, like, she's not anything more than ideas. Like, you never see her execute anything. So it's... So for me, I'm just watching her talk about how awesome she is, talk about all the things that she does. There's one scene where the, you know, the main girl is Googling her to find examples of whether she really does all this stuff. And I guess that's like the equivalent of a montage of her doing all those things um, Mm because you just see her name showing up in search results all the time. But like, I just, I don't know, it's just so hard for me to 
it's like the only really entertaining thing of this film is just when everything goes to, like crazy towards like the middle to end of this uh, film and everything just gets so heightened and so unreal. Like once you really realize that like, oh, there's no way this takes place in any sort of actual reality, um, that's where it becomes fun because I let go of who are these characters. Like e- even going back to Francis Ha, when, when it started off, like in Francis Ha, like for, at the beginning, she, it wasn't... She didn't annoy me. She disappointed me in a way where, like, she just made terrible decisions. Was you, you want to like, tell her to like go back to school and get an education? <laughs> yeah, like I want to like like basically, it's like I'm like oh, I gotta baby you. Like you're just you're making bad decisions. You're not realizing that anything you do has ramifications. You're like inserting yourself in other people's lives and then like getting mad at them for no reason at all. And then it's kind of like we're, but like by the end of the film, I can't help but still like be in love with her, right? Like I'm, I'm annoyed at her and she frustrates me, but I'm still like drawn to her in some way. In this film, like the second she opens her mouth, I'm like, I don't like this girl. (laughs) There's no, no, nothing in this film can make me like her. She's just so like, annoying and like self-centered and just like th- those scenes where the younger girl's like oh this place is awesome can i totally be a server here and she just like keeps talking and like ignores mm-hmm. her and even like the bringing that back later on in the film like there's no payoff for that it's it's just like like ah it's just she, she frustrates me to a level of like just being like these characters are ridiculous and it's like i want to feel sorry for the lead because it feels like she's being ignored but like she it's like getting off on it. Like she, like mm-hmm. she's so blind to the fact that she's being treated by like shit because she thinks it's inspiration from a story for a story that will get her into this club. And it's like this weird cycle of me just feeling bad for, for the lead character, but then I can't feel that sorry for her because she's using the other person. It's like, there's just this, this tailspin of me hating both characters. And then <laughs> eventually that just implodes. And I go like, Oh, None of it's real. This is awesome movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess the only place I differ is like, I see Greta Gerwig's character as not real. I don't see the lead as not real. And I also didn't hate her for most of it. Like she resided in that world that Frances High resides where like the kind of mistakes she makes are mistakes that I like, I understand and feel for her on. Um, like, even if I wouldn't behave exactly that way, for the most part, I feel for her. Like, she seems to be a person who really is starting to figure out who she is in the world and coming up with a character that isn't just a ridiculous caricature. But, like, um, okay, so, so like, up up until the point where she runs into that guy she has a crush on and that guy has a girlfriend, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm still feeling for her at that point. But, like, slowly over the time, like, over time where she starts to like insert herself things and she's she's not like manipulating situations so much minus that one that she manipulates but like she is sort of like actively giving things little nudges and like like so the, the like the scene the scene in the bar where uh you know they're just having drinks and they meet up with somebody that one of them knows from the past like the way that scene should have played out like any normal human beings like like if you and I had that same experience, mm-hmm. like I would kind of be like, "Well, you want to like explain to me what that was all about?" But instead, she's like, "Oh, hmm, hmm, I like, I can use this, you know." Like it, but it wasn't in a, it, it still wasn't like in the Adam Driver way from <laughs> from while we're young. It was in this weird other kind of like, I 
she like didn't care for the person who had entered into the conversation. She and she wasn't even like excited from what seemed like an intellectual like oh I can totally use this for this like drama that I'm trying to create. It was mostly like it was just this weird like okay like th- like there's no point in this film where where her vision of you know this this older person become like the idolization that she had towards her like that didn't crumble at all in this film when clearly it should have crumbled many a time like earlier on in the film well well and i think partly partly that's why i I don't find it frustrating i find it a little endearing like i see she's looking to her as a big sister sort of you know a person who's out there living in the world and has become this quote fiercely independent person and her life is so much more interesting and it's so different and she behaves in situations that tracy would never behave and like the fact that she is just silently not even idolizing might even be the wrong word because she knows this person is wrong in many respects like she writes about it in her story i mean in her story she writes about like knowing it won't succeed and how she can't she can't live forever and she'll need to move out west eventually Uh, like, like it seems like she she is taking a broader vantage point than greta gerwig's character is she sees she sees her in the context of an actual real world where she can't exist. <laughs> I, I guess if that makes sense. But um, like, so I, but I, I kind of read it as like, she is literally just using it as a branching off point and then trying to come up with the most interesting conclusion to those. Like, I don't think that like, she. I mean, you know, whether or not she's correct about her having to move out west. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know what sort of reasonable conclusion she would find to. Uh, to come up with that idea. I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's plenty of other places she could move if things didn't work out in, you know, New York, but why would you move like all the way across the country unless you're Oh, because was, there's like, only two cities in the country. If you're Noah Baumbach or Woody Allen. Well, no, that, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like if like if her character specifically said like, Oh, well the restaurant didn't work out. I'm going to go become an actress. And I'm like, okay, cool. You're going to move to LA. Like that makes sense. Whatever, you know, like that, um, but that's not like what the character sort of is doing. So I don't know if that's just, well, it wouldn't even make sense if that's where her, no, because did she fly to see her? No, no. she was, she was going to school no. there. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't even know. I'm, I'm trying to like follow the logic of it. It doesn't seem to make sense to me. But I guess what, what I'm trying to say though is that she, in her stories, there's never concern for what is what is really to her just her character. Like she doesn't care about the well-being of her character. So mm-hmm. why am I supposed to care about that? And if she doesn't care about her, and I don't care about her not caring, why should I care about like the the lead? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, mean? I feel like yeah yeah I, I feel like the the crux of the movie is that. Greta Gerwig is just a character and we aren't supposed to feel for her. Like we <laughs> yeah, aren't supposed to care about her. <laughs> um, Greta Gerwig is just a character and we aren't supposed to feel for her or care about her as like a person. Um, the only thing we're supposed to care about is the impact she has on other people. Like, like the way people respond to her. And 
Tracy sees something in that that she she doesn't idolize it, but she wants to pick and choose from it. Like she wants to build a character on top of some of those things. And I feel like that's what the movie is about is of like an 18 year old girl trying to figure out who she wants to be. And in the end, probably deciding it's okay to bastardize pieces of another character. <laughs> like, I don't think there's any comeuppance in the movie where she learns that this is wrong or anything. Yeah. yeah there's definitely no come up, comeuppance for anybody <laughs> in the story. Yeah. But I, I do want to, I want to go back to the play-like aspect of everything because the good part I, of the movie? I felt it. <laughs> yeah. Because I felt it. Um, you definitely felt it. I think the movie felt it. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence they're comparing Mistress America, you know, the same as the name of the movie, to a play and a Tennessee Williams play. And, you know, I, I, I think, like, they're self-aware enough to know that this is intentional. Yeah. Um. So, with that said, what I'm trying to grapple with is, like, is being intentionally stilted and being smart enough to recognize that, does that somehow give you a free pass? <laughs> like, like, doesn't it feel like a cop-out that just because you make fun of yourself, all of a sudden I get to breathe a sigh of relief and not worry about the fact that, like, the dialogue and the characters were pretty unbelievable? I, I think in a way it does. Um, like, mostly because, like, the characters aren't... The characters aren't speaking to each other. They're delivering lines to the auditorium. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like they're not like none of them are believable because they're not. They're not really they if if you like did some master rotoscoping skills and made 12 versions of this movie where only one character at a time were in it it would still be the same movie. Like the character would still issue the same lines of dialogue because yeah. half the time there's no one, they're not responding to each other. They're talking to no one in the presence of each other. And um, while this isn't, maybe, that's not the best approach maybe when making a movie, I feel like this is a movie not for the average film goer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's, I, I mean, it, this this didn't open in all theaters at once. Like this is slowly rolling out there. And I'm assuming that it's targeting a specific demographic of people who have seen all those other films. And like, I, it's, it knows what it's doing. It definitely doesn't give a shit if you know what it's doing. And I feel mm -hmm. like, while that's not the best approach, I also feel like this type of film directed at maybe the people who are going to, like I saw it in a theater of six people. Um, so yeah, I, don't know yeah. what, I was about that too. Yeah. Like I drove up to some like theater in the middle of the street in Berkeley and like almost didn't even know where it was. And it's like, it was like, okay, cool. It looked like it was an old like theater that had maybe, I think it has three movies that it plays at once. And like, it was like, there's no one in there. And that seems about right for this movie. <laughs> But I, 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 I can't fault it for doing what it did. And in fact, if it didn't do what it did, I would have not liked the movie at all. Mm -hmm. I, I think yeah, it's one no, of the... I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I feel you because I also... I, I really like... Once I tuned into the intentional zaniness of it all, I really enjoyed it. 
like a part of me just wonders if it's unfair like if it's a cop-out like just going for zaniness instead of going for something more real but like that doesn't matter like even if it's a cop-out it's still fun to watch well i i feel what it does is i think i think it's a literal like i think it really is a gradual progression and what they do is like i i caught on to what they were doing pretty late like i realized what was happening when um the ex-fiance showed up like mm-hmm. as soon as he arrived and he was like just his appearance altogether. He, like, he's I knew just like was... a comic relief character straight out of our town. Like yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. he is. Like when he arrived, I was like, I was like, all right, something's wrong. And then as soon as he started speaking, I was like, okay, I get it now. And then about like five minutes later, when everything gets really crazy, that's what that's when I feel that like it was kind of like it was doing this thing and it assumes that you're not really there. It's going to just like dip its toe into the water when he walks in. And then for the rest of that scene, it's just going to like start ramping it up until you get on board with the fact that like, yeah, you didn't realize what you were sitting down to watch. (laughs) And then it's kind of like from then on out, I just enjoyed the crap out of it. Yeah, he he was definitely a turning point for me, too. I mean, I felt I think I felt what it was doing for a while maybe you primed me (laughs) or maybe i've like (laughs) i've seen enough noah bombach movies to know that like none of them are this much much (laughs) like like i I could feel that something was different but the moment he walks in he basically just announces himself he's like i am a successful businessman like he might as well be singing in the movie like yeah yeah. i come here to (laughs) Show you that I am also an artist. (laughs) (laughs) Now make me an apple bong. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just absurd. And from there, I mean, Brooke literally gets on a stage after that. They all sit down to watch her on a stage acting out. Like the whole thing is so very theatrical. And then, like, the, the random pregnant Asian woman who's just there for no reason but chimes in. <laughs> That's, like, straight out of a high school play or something. Like, because they need one more character. Yeah, she's there to reject um, glasses of wine because she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. What what I like to think of this movie, like, go, going back to the idea that it is about Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, which might be a stretch, I don't know. I, I really felt it. I really felt, like they were making fun of each other and talking about each other in the movie. Um, I like to imagine it originated as like a series of arguments they were having <laughs> over like his last movie or something. And like, <laughs> they're saying like, Oh, well, you know, you're just using characters like this. You're just fetishizing them. Don't you know what it does to women? Don't you know what it does to society? And then suddenly they like look at each other and they're like, this'll be fun. let's make this be the culmination of like a crazy zany adventure that makes hardly any sense yeah i i would not put it past them (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know i think i think i'm tapped out of things to say about it yep i think i'm tapped out too (laughs) right well uh Let's go ahead and get to our verdicts then for this episode. Um, uh, Mr. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, a recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I mean, this really pushes the boundaries of what, like, what our review system is supposed to be about. Because, <laughs> like, 
do I think a lot of people will dislike this movie? Yes, I think a lot of people will dislike <laughs> yes. this movie. Um, for sure. I do. I think the movie was like extraordinarily smart, or had a big message or a big thing to communicate. No, like even if it's too clever for its own good, like it, like it's constructed cleverly and it knows what it's doing, that doesn't mean it like has a serious point. Did I have a lot of fun watching it? Hell yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, <laughs> so for me, I, I think I would give it a like a pretty strong recommend with a caveat to the Stevens out there, where the caveat is, if you think it's going to build to a grand thesis, I think you will be disappointed. But if you like Woody Allen type movies or Noah Baumbach type movies or just the kind of thing where characters can be talky and theatrical and it doesn't need to wrap up neatly or at all, then I think this is fun and very breezy. It's like less than an hour and a half long. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. even if you hate it, you're not going to hate it for very long. And, and like even if you hate it in general, like I hated the beginning of the film, like I, I can't imagine you not at least like thinking the end is funny. <laughs> not the end, but like the third act. Yeah, the only way you could be like humorless the whole way through is if you're convinced that it's not on purpose. And if you're like, what the hell? How does he think this is realistic? Yeah. I, th I think that th this movie would actually benefit from... Uh, from pulling a Steven and walking in 15 to 20 minutes late <laughs> because the beginning of the movie you think is, is in reality, but like the longer you're in the movie, it's, it starts to be like more and more apparent that it's not. So if you came in and everything was already hyper real, it would probably be pretty fun. Maybe, but I, I loved the first 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> like, uh, it had so many nice observations. Like, I remember being the guy who went to the big welcome ceremony and no one told me that only the losers go to that. <laughs> that was a great did, observation. Did you ask somebody if the party was at the end of the hall and they were like, did you get an invitation? And then it's not at the end of the hall. <laughs> so not exactly, but I definitely know that feeling of like walking up to a party, then realizing you are not one of these people and turning around and going home. Like it, <laughs> College had a good amount of that for me. <laughs> and this... This captured that pretty well. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not laughing at you specifically, just laughing at the idea that like the beginning of this was exists in a completely different reality that the rest of the film does. Mm -hmm. Mainly actual reality. Yeah, she goes she goes to bed at night. She's going to bed at night on the night when she doesn't get pied. And then she has this whole dream involving this crazy character and this story she writes. And then in the very end of the movie, she's gonna wake up. And the character never existed. So you're saying this is all Mulholland Drive? Yes. <laughs> nice. I buy it. <laughs> Anyways, for my verdict, <laughs> I forgot I hadn't given my verdict yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I it's I I I can't in good consciousness <laughs> like recommend this to anybody. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it like a pass to the caveat. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. I think that like I think that you had the potential to have a lot of fun with the end of this film but it's one of those things where it's like I just you have to really really like this kind of movie um, to to I think enjoy it um, 
So yeah, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> All right. So you, you've got one fairly strong recommendation. <laughs> You're another pass. Uh, and both of us agree the movie's not for everyone. I feel Correct. like if you like it, though, you're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, by the end of it, yeah. But that's uh, like it's such a big gamble that I would hate to like tell somebody, yes, see it, <laughs> and then have that gamble not pay off. Oh, God. I would not want to be sitting in the theater with the person that I dragged to the movie. Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> who's I just could, like eyes wide, hating me. I could not watch this with another person. If I, well, if I had, whether or not I'd already seen it, like if I was seeing it for the first time and I had been like, Hey, you want to go to a movie to anybody, whether it was like a datey type person or just some other person, like I would, the whole movie, I'd be like, oh God, why did I do this? Why did I think this is a good idea? This is not a good mm-hmm. idea. And then at the end, I just look at them and like do an awkward smile and go, did you like it? <laughs> On an unrelated note, is the music that plays at the end of this movie in the credits the same music that played in Frances Ha when she's in the airport going to Paris? I feel like the exact same song I plays in both movies. do not remember either. Uh, we might be listening to it right now. It's probably the trailer song that's going to be thrown in for this episode. All right, then I'll make sure that it is. <laughs> You'll just have to let me know which trailer song it is. It's like a funky, there, like, a, I feel thing. Mm. In, in, in I, one of our recent reviews, uh, <laughs> we had talked directly about the trailer, but the trailer that I pulled from Apple was a different trailer, <laughs> and I was <laughs> going to try to edit around it, and I was like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just drop out this one line that references something that happens in the trailer, but then later on, we started talking about the fact that we were referencing it earlier, and I was like, oh, shit, so I had to go back and put it back in and then go find a different trailer and then put that trailer in instead. And it was, uh, yeah, it was good times. Good work. Good work. <laughs> well, it lucky been- for you, I don't remember a goddamn thing about the trailer of this movie, except for her <laughs> rewinding on that stage, which yeah, is no less <laughs> awkward, <laughs> no less awkward in the movie than it is in the trailer. But at least in the movie, you know that everything is supposed to be awkward. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. So, uh, Stephen, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? If you want to find me, you can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode, if the track is long enough to make it through all this messing up that I've been doing, um, which you won't hear anyways because I edited it out, uh, is whatever trailer song that Steven was talking about a few minutes ago. So hopefully you guys are enjoying that. Um, we're going to take off uh, next review in the feed. It's going to be like No Escape or something like that. Probably. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, it depends. I want to do Meru. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for Meru yet. I haven't, but uh, that is playing in the city, and we have access to it, right? Yes then maybe we will see that then. Uh, Either way, something will be in the feed (laughs) shortly. (laughs) 
So look forward to that, but, everybody. Uh, yes, thank you, Stephen, for joining me and surviving my ridiculousness and my internet connection tonight. Thank you for having me. It's it's been fun. Like the <laughs> like the movie, it ended in a bunch of zany absurdity, and that's when you realize we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and once you embrace that, you're going to have a lot more fun. Yeah, you, you'll love the podcast once you realize that uh, we're just people sitting <laughs> in our apartments uh, talking to each other into microphones. Look, I'm just a guy sitting naked on a leather chair, drinking a beer, <laughs> t- talking about Noah Baumbach. <laughs> Which, uh, coincidentally, is the name you call your penis. <laughs> <laughs> Getting Baumbach word. <laughs>